Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. Welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat playoff basketball. Well, before we begin, Kenneth, how are you doing, man? I'm good, bro. I can't complain. Game one was a success. Um, wasn't a flawless success, but a success nonetheless. Um, glad to be here to talk about it, as always. Yeah. So, game one against Philly on May the 2nd of 2022. Well, Miami Heat defeated the Philadelphia 76ers 106-92, a game which saw our future become the present in Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo leading the way for us with Bam scoring 24 points, grabbing 12 rebounds, and four, dishing four assists. And Tyler Hero chipped in with 25 points, one rebound, and seven assists. And they were the ones that took over that second half. And Jimmy did not even play the fourth quarter. And it's Absolutely. Not like, which is important. And I want to mention something that you forgot. As a, also a part of our future there, he wasn't as impactful on the box score of them, which you also saw in game one, um, a little bit more of our future taking hold, um, was Victor Oladipo closing and playing alongside Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and them figuring that whole thing out before our very eyes. Because, again, while we won't spend too much time on that here because our main goal is winning a title, what you're starting to see is Spoh starting to try and figure out what's his long-term plan with Oladipo, Hero, and Bam Adebayo and if he can make that work. And I think he can, and we're starting to see it. Yeah. So, Oladipo, he the numbers won't jump out of this box score. And from the perimeter, the shot was not there. But his mere presence, staying with with, defend, staying with offensive players as a defender, which Absolutely. is his strength at this moment, that was great to see. And just getting his feet wet. Like, remember, this man has played very few games ever since his surgery. And... They left him out here, out there, even on, on garbage time, just to continue keep, to keep get running. those feet wet and get those legs loose. I mean, I agree with you. The offense still has a way to go, and don't forget me. Don't get it twisted. What he showed you in Game Five against the Hawks, and what he showed you in the last game of the regular season. Shout out to your dogs. We hear him making an appearance. What he showed you in the last game <laughs> of the regular season against Orlando. He still has the capability to be an offensive volcano once he figures out you know, where his spots are in this offense. And I think that's what's important. But also, as you mentioned, JJ, kudos to you. What you did see was him already being able to fulfill the Jimmy Butler role on defense. Important that Jimmy Butler did not play that fourth. So that knee that has been bothering him for the rest of the playoffs, throughout the playoffs, excuse me, he got a chance to rest it a bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, um, you know, and, it wasn't oh, a knee issue that caused him to sit out as much as you just love that you didn't have to put any more pressure on that knee. And it's worth noting that in the injury report um, I was today, gonna mention that. yep, and to today it. on the third, the day after the game, he's no longer on the injury report, even though he didn't practice for an excuse absence. Probably another coffee conference somewhere, but you know how that goes. Jimmy will be ready. Yeah, the big face coffee conference. So, Jimmy played well in his, in his minutes. The first half in particular was... Let's just be real. It wasn't great heat basketball. And the Sixers, to their credit, they took advantage of that. And they actually had a one-point lead. 
and we saw the timeline freaking out a bit. James Harden was getting to his spots for a bit there. Tobias Harris led the game in overall scoring with 27 points. Some people, myself included, although not to the extent that some other people, I'm looking at you, Kenneth, were mad at because they felt that Tobias was pushing off constantly. Every, every fucking play. Excuse my French, people. Sorry. His forearm was the real MVP last night. His forearm the, was the real MVP. Listen, the refs were... I don't like to shit on refs because they have a hard job to do. Ah, uh, who you and, kidding, JJ? You like to shit on refs. No, uh, well, well, I don't want, like, the refs are the cops, man. But uh, I think they... Good analogy, by the way. Good analogy. <laughs> yeah. But they did not do a great job listening. They missed some calls for against Miami and some calls against Philly. We gotta we gotta also mention that because absolutely. I mean, and it's always one thing to frame it as you didn't like the officials or the refs were bad. But I'm all, I always try to be fair. Also, in combination with the fact that consistency is my thing. If you're good or bad, if you're consistently good or consistently bad, I can live with that. It's just the inconsistencies of it all that bother the hell out of me. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about the refs because this is not the Ref05 culture podcast. But it's it was worth mentioning. But still, this was a pretty entertaining game as a basketball fan. I will say this, Kenneth. Something that I want to say. I don't think that he played outstanding basketball. We have seen them play outstanding basketball, particularly against, against Atlanta in their first round series. But last night was not great. I just think that in that third quarter, the limitations that Philadelphia has on their team was, were just too much to overcome. Couple that with the fact that the Heat played with so much effort, particularly P.J. Tucker, man. I will never stop talking about P.J. Tucker. Though there was a there was a point there where he, it was essentially him who got us like three straight offensive possessions, like like three straight possessions on the same like trip down the floor and it ended with a with a bam bam getting fouled and it was just pure hustle and effort so which 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 you also got to give pj for because the dude that's supposed to be in the paint double boxing or putting a double body on bam had to find pj because he had previously gotten two offensive rebounds on that same sequence had the second guy had to put a body on him which allowed it to be a one-on-one situation for the rebound with Bam, which Bam won. So you even give P.J. some credit there because the second guy that would usually keep Bam from the ball had to find P.J. and try to, you know, box him out because he had already, as you mentioned, gotten an uh, offensive rebound off a of Gabe three-point shot and then proceeded to get a second one off a of Jimmy Butler three-point shot, um, which then led to that Bam foul. So you give him credit for that whole sequence. I mean, his work, as I wrote today at allyoucanheat.com, which you can check us out for all your written Miami Heat content needs. Check him out, y'all. Absolutely. That PJ continued to be the hardest working man on the floor in game one, as he has been for much of the season for the Miami Heat, and as we'll need him to continue to be um, throughout the rest of the playoffs. I agree 100%. Yeah. So shout out to PJ. We'll always shout out PJ, because even when the box score does not reflect it, he makes an impact out there. Like, that's one man that I can never accuse of playing poorly or playing, right. playing without heart. And even if he isn't hitting his shots, you I mean you 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 be like, damn PJ, make the shot. But you never poo-poo PJ. Because if even if he isn't hitting his shots, you know that he's doing so much else for your team that you can't blame the man. 
Like, again, of course you wanted to hit his shots. Of course you wanted to make his little PJ push shots. Of course you wanted to finish his layups. But you can't ever accuse the man of not giving you 177% out there. And the only reason he don't give you 200% is because the man got to sit down for a break every now and again. So, I mean... Also, he's, also he's 36. Well, yeah, he's 36! Anyway, um, I, I mean, look, I... I have nothing but good things to say about PJ. You know, I love me some PJ Tucker. Always the biggest little dude on the floor. The littlest, biggest dude on the floor. However you want to categorize it. Um, picked up James Harden, you know, full court for much of the night last night. Um, I mean, like you said, a rebounding, assisting, three-point shooting from the corner, guarding fool. Um, and you just absolutely love to have PJ Tucker on your team. Yeah. Let's go, let's go look at, well, look another Heat guy. Tyler Hero. He was our leading scorer tonight. I wouldn't say he was our best player last night. I would probably say it was Bam. Shit, I would, I would add PJ to that shirtless. But Tyler played really well last night, exploiting the Sixers' defensive miscues at times. Like there was a possession there where Bam was at the top of the three-point. Excuse me, my phone fell out of my hand. <laughs> and Forgan Corkmas, for some reason, he left. Tyler Hero open, like wide open at the top of the three-point line. And Tyler splashed it. Another possession where Tyler, it, of course, it made the highlight reel because it was a long three-pointer. But I, sorry, sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but that could have turned into an awful possession for the Heat because Bam had a clean look at the basket. He passed it up and it ended up in Tyler Hero's hands and he drained one from near the logo. Of course, it was an incredible shot. But, you know, it, it's a make or miss league. Hey, look, man, people, that's one of those shots where the coach on the side, the coach on the sideline is going, what are you? Okay, Tyler, good shot. Good shot. So, you know, when you talk about remember a guy that, like that. I always remember that. That when it was like when Steph Curry like became before Steph Curry was like Steph Curry that 2015 season there was this game against the Clippers I think it was one of those ABC games and he he hit one of the he pulled off one of the craziest most audacious moves I've ever seen in my life and also hit the shot and Steve Kerr had his arms up like what the hell are you doing and then he made the shot and he just went like oh what the hell I think that was probably Spo last night Absolutely. But that's the situation in 2022 NBA that has caused all coaches maybe to not even have that first part. Yeah, I'm going to tell the kid, maybe we could have got a better look there. But it's what he does. It's literally what he does. Tyler's a tough shot maker. He's one of those cats that's never seen a shot that he didn't like. Um, I think everybody's jumping on the bandwagon now. But I told you his rookie year and coming into this year and last season that his superpower is not only his ability to not give a damn what anybody thinks, um, un- except last year, because you can kind of see it. I'm talking about on the floor at any given moment. Also, but it's also, you know what? Last year, there were a lot of trade rumors floating right. around. So it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much as what people thought, as much as what he thought about himself. But any other time, Tyler just goes out and plays his game. But his other superpower is his ability to finish off wanky platforms, um, to finish anywhere. So the shot, and I said all that to say, the shots that we typically look at as bad shots, he really, like, his, one of his main superpowers is his ability to make bad shots good shots. Um, and again, you got to live and die with that because that's what makes him great. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about Philly. 
Philly has a an interesting situation with their center rotation. Obviously, they're playing without MVP candidate and the NBA's leading scorer in the regular season, Joel Embiid, who's going to be out for Game 2. They're optimistic that he'll return for Game 3 in Philly. But nonetheless, they rolled out with DeAndre Jordan in the starting five position. And brother, let me tell you, that man is done. He, If you are a winning team, you cannot play that man at like more than a single minute of NBA action. And like like you told me, Kenneth, when we were texting, it was kind of sad to see because this was one, once upon a time, this was one of the best centers in the NBA. Well, well, probably the most athletic center in the NBA. And the man literally cannot move laterally anymore. Like the game Vincent lobbed to Bam, which was a beautiful pass, by the way. Bam just like ran past DJ and he couldn't do anything. Another possession where I don't remember exactly what happened, but I did remember that somebody posted on Twitter and I just looked at DeAndre all the time and we got an offensive rebound. We got a shot out of it and he did not do anything. He did not contest the rim. He just, he could not do it. I don't know why if it's him just not feeling up to it or just physically can't. But it it was really bad. And if I'm a Philly fan, I'm, I'm in the mud right now. Well, I mean, we also talked about it, man. Um, and I told you that I tend to agree with the assessment on DeAndre Jordan. However, I do want to give it to after game two before we, you know, completely call the man cook food. Um, because he could come out in game two and, you know, give you 20 minutes of some inspired play. You can really tell, though, to your point, that he hasn't consistently played in the last three years. Because like you said, it was, if you want to look at the nuance of it all, sure, fine. But that's not even it. It's just, it's the literal movement of it all. It's like his feet were trapped in cement sometime. Um, So, you know, again, a situation you want to monitor, if that's going to continue to be their deployment, then you can, you know, of course, want Bam to continue to do the things that he was doing on Monday night, man. But, um, you know, I, I would can't say, say I would say bad Bam, for him. I would say Bam could have done more against him, honestly. Like I in agree. the first in the first half, there were a lot of missed opportunities for him to attack. I agree. But, then, but, the, but I think that's it though. He has to attack him more. But I think in like in the second half they kind of settled more and they just played with real effort, as I said. I don't think they play great basketball. They shot the poor the ball, excuse me. Not great, honestly. And as was mentioned, I don't know how many fucking times they mentioned it in the broadcast. But yes, we led the league in three-point accuracy. Thank you. And just, they couldn't find their shot. So, but still, it's a good sign that they won. James Harden is not the Houston James Harden. This is not the James Harden that Daryl Morey traded for. I'm sure of it. They gave up all that. They gave up all their depth for a guy that can't blow by people anymore. And, you know... He got a three that looked kind of nice, like the old James Harden. He got to the basket a couple times. But other than that, he did not do anything else. Except for maybe passing the ball a bit. And did you see that clip of him and Maxi? It looks like they don't have a great relationship. Absolutely. Like, Based on Twitter investigations and my plodding around to a couple of you know people that I know that might know a little bit more, they said it looks like Sam Cassell had called him over. 
so it doesn't look like what it you know initially looked like but it just it wasn't a good look at all i agree um i will say this though um the thing about it is you look at James Harden, he has the burst a little bit, and that makes me wonder, is it still the hamstring thing or is it just aging out thing? Because he had it in the first half. He faded in the second half, which makes you wonder, is that his body giving out on him or is he still hurt? Um, again, I, I people, don't people keep know. saying that People keep saying that he's hurt. But honestly, like, yeah, I know hamstring injuries suck because shit, one of our very own is going through it. He and he has already been rolled out for game two, by the way. So Tyler Hero gonna... won the six man of the year award, by the way. It was announced as we're recording here on Tuesday at six thirty six. Uh it's been oh, announced shit. that Tyler Hero has won the award, but we knew that. We already knew that, but hey. Let's give a, a, a little bit of a round of applause to Tyler. It was we already knew it was coming, but yeah, man, that's Fantastic news, honestly, and hopefully it just leads to more great things for him to come in the future. Absolutely. So back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, James Harden, yeah, we were talking about him. The hamstring is probably I don't listen, man. I don't want to make any judgment. I don't want to say any definitive statements. But at some point, you just you just are who you are, man. I don't know if like. I agree. I agree. I don't want to keep giving them passes because of the hamstring. I, I mean, I agree. We Again, it's another one of those situations with DeAndre Jordan. Um, we just need to wait and see what game two holds. And after game two, we can really make some concrete declarations and proclamations on what it is we're seeing. I'm, re- I'm ready to make a, de- a declaration there, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can sense it in your voice, my friend. Because, listen, I happen to watch not many, of course, but a very few – Philly games that featured DeAndre Jordan, like very short mints and man, even clips on Twitter, like I know they're cherry pick. I mean, shit, people that I whose knowledge I respect a lot, like Steve Jones Jr. and Nikias Duncan, they, like I, I thought I was maybe not seeing things right, but no, they, they saw it too. Like, the man is done. Like, I would be surprised if if he's on an NBA roster next season. Would probably be just for. A good vibes role because he like according to all like reports from teammates and all that he just seems like a generally good dude like a good teammate so it's a shame sometimes you know shit, shit like that happens so uh anything else on philly oh yeah there are other backup options at the five we're not great for them paul reed basically was a foul machine bassey played not even didn't even play five minutes, but he has, as you said, Kev, at the beginning, and also like some Philly fans have alluded to, he's been injured and he's still a very green prospect. And George Niang gave them a big fat zero in the scoring column, in the rebounding column, and when you saw him out there, it was like he like they were playing four and five. Right. Because he's not a center either. He's a power forward who's actually that's the size of a small forward. So um, just undersized, don't have the bodies to do it, but they have to kind of, um, you know, make use of what they have. You mentioned this, and this will probably be their best deployment, um, which sucks for us if they go here because it means that we're going to have to downsize. But, 
but Tobias Harris at the five is probably going to be their best option. I wouldn't feel too bad about that, honestly. Although it would pull Bam more away, right? Pull and that's Bam the only away thing from the rim, but because it allows them one-on-one looks at the rim. And when you're talking about Maxi, and when you're talking about testing James Harden, that's the very thing that can kill you with them. It's just once they blow by their man, they have an open rim. You know? Yeah, that's the only like minor issue I would find with that. But on the boards, I think, although Tobias is a rather large man, listen, like we're we're talking about him, like if he were small, but. Oh he, no! Well, that's why I said it might be a problem because what people fail to realize, Tobias is still six nine. Yeah, he's shit. That's the same height as Bam. Right. Bam's probably a, like an inch taller. But yeah, that would not be. And you know, aside from the forearm push-offs that Kent alluded to, I think he played. He had a couple shots there where he played really well. They were getting him the ball in his spots. Like totally, he was the their best player on the floor last night. Yeah, aside from that fact that Kenneth mentioned, I think he 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 played very good basketball last night. It's just that his team did not. So, I think that covers game one. Let's look ahead at game two. I would say that my biggest observation is we need to play better in the first half because I know I'm listen at this point. I'm probably it, it makes too much sense. Although it's Doc Rivers, so who knows. To put Tobias at the five uh, for some short minutes. And that's what I want to see how the Heat respond. And two, the Sixers threw in a zone every once in a while and Miami could not do anything. Like in the first half, PJ and, and Jimmy literally ran into each other. And it was a lot of, they took away our dribble handoffs, credit to them, They because they did that. They they saw that and you know that's they know that's a strength of ours. They took away the dribble handoffs and it was a lot of, perimeter jump shots like there was a point in the first half where they just literally did not look at driving the basketball to the rim and when they did they missed some some layups i'm not gonna lie to you bam missed some layups jimmy missed some layups and then when victor oladipo is out there sharing the floor with jimmy and bam and he doesn't have the jump shot going it's gonna get rough so those are some things that i would like to see shored up a bit of course spono's spono's best he is a basketball genius. He, I probably know less than one percent of basketball, of basketball uh, than he does. So, but hey, that's just a guy's opinion. What about you, Kenneth? Um, I think you nailed it, man. If I had to pick one thing, it would be to maintain that same focus that you started the game with. On the Miami Heat, started game one on a tear, getting up by double digits um, before they got sloppy late in the first half, which allowed the Philadelphia 76ers to come back and take a one-point lead in the halftime. Um, the Miami Heat scored exactly six points over the last six minutes or so in the second, in the first half, the second quarter. So if they can avoid a situation like that, um, you know, then it shouldn't even be that close, just to be quite frank, especially without Joel Embiid going. A point per minute doesn't sound great, folks. For those of you who don't know, that's terrible, actually. <laughs> the worst. It's, it's, the only thing worse is not scoring at all. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look at the rest of the NBA plus because we're Renaissance men and we enjoy basketball. So the the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Celtics in a game that honestly wasn't all that close. Well, that wasn't. It, let me rephrase that. It didn't feel like close in any sense that the box score like reflects that they only won by twelve, but the Celtics were never like really in it. Like if they did something, the Bucks like 
responded. Right. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum didn't have great games, and it felt like the Bucks are going to win from like the end of the first period on. Yeah. The second game, though, that was a great one. Warriors-Grizzlies. Do you remember, Kenneth, back in 2015 when the Warriors were the upstart young team looking to make a mark in the league that took everybody by storm? And everybody was like, who the hell are these guys? Where did they come from? And they won 65 games and ended up being champions. Yes. I thought it was funny because now they're the veteran team. And there's this young upstart team. Obviously, I don't think they're at the same level. As I was about to say. Yeah. That's why I said yes the way I did because I hope you weren't going there. But go ahead. They're not obviously. They're not as good. I don't want to. I don't want to okay. get interested. They're not as I good. Just want, yeah, I was about to say because they don't have a Steph, Clay, or Dre. Like, but, don't get me wrong. Ja Moran is good, but in the postseason where you could take away that paint from him and he has to hit a jump shot, he's not as good. Desmond Bain could wind up being the best player on that team, to be quite honest with you, because his skill set and his game is the most well-rounded, and he has the size that Ja doesn't have and the jump shot, um, which is that thing that even if Ja becomes a better jump shooter, it's just going to come and go because he's not a naturally gifted shooter, whereas Bain has shown you an improvement in the all-around game, but Bain ain't no Klay Thompson. And if you're comparing JJ, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. to Draymond Green, we can just end the podcast right now. <laughs> no. That wasn't the the intention. It was just that I thought I find it funny that this I know, is a man. young team. I just had to clarify that, but I do agree <laughs> with your parallel. If you want to make a parallel, it's a good parallel. I just don't want anybody out there to confuse this Grizzlies team with that Warriors team because here's the kicker. I think this Grizzlies team is closer to last year's Atlanta Hawks than they are to that 2015 Warriors team. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense, but I would say that they're pretty far from the 2015 Warriors. It's just that I thought it was funny that the there were young guys back then, and now they're the old guys. And now right, and, my, and, and when you say you don't think it makes a whole lot of sense, let me add some, 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 some clarity there. I think that they're a team that had a good season, that found themselves at the top of their conference, that had the potential to make a run, who next year are going to get a rude awakening. I don't know if they win 45 games next year. That's what I'm saying, because they're not going to catch anybody by surprise, a la Trey Young and the Hawks this season. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this. This has nothing – well, it kind of has to do with the playoffs because we saw Utah get eliminated, and there's been reports that swirling that Rudy you can Gobert drop basically you, – You can go ahead and drop a bomb in Salt Lake City, baby. That that there were some reports out there that stated that Rudy was at a point where it was either he, him or me, referring to Donovan Mitchell. And I want to talk about the West next year, man. Because the West next year, like this year, it was kind of a weird period for the West. Absolutely. But next season, man, it's gonna be a a blood. It's gonna be a bloodbath. And you the can Clippers hate him eleven. Will... And you can hate him eleven. But let's just go ahead and put this out there up front. Hate him eleven. LeBron missed the playoffs this year. If you don't think he's gonna turn over hell and earth. To make sure that don't happen again and come out and give you a classic LeBron season at his age, you got him all the way messed up. I already can – I'll predict the top three seed for LeBron in the West next year. I don't know if top three, but I do think he makes it. They they make it, the Lakers, of course. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100% they make it. But what I'm saying is he's that guy that feeds off of, you know, perception and then also delusions of grandeur. Like, there's a certain perception out there that, you know, LeBron's wise, the Lakers are trash, whatever, whatever. But then he's the type of guy where even though he doesn't quite have Jordan's killer 
instinct, he has Jordan's delusions of grandeur in that he'll add more fuel to the fire that actually exists to motivate himself. And that shit works for him. You know what? Some, sometimes I think of that killer instinct thing is just code for you were a psychopath, man. Oh, totally. Because. Oh, 100%. Totally. Jimmy but Now, Jimmy Butler got that killer instinct. He's a psychopath. Kobe Bryant's a nutcase. Michael Jordan's a nutcase. The thing about Jimmy Butler that, you sep- that separates him from Kobe and Michael, he's just not as skilled as they were. But no, the, when you're talking about that killer instinct, no, we're talking about some maniacal psychopaths. Whether they're playing dominoes, checkers, chess, or basketball, they absolutely want to eviscerate you. If it's yeah, an eating contest, they want to finish their egg roll before you start on yours. It means that much to them. Now you got me hungry. Okay. Oh, 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 we're talking about the West. That's hilarious, by the way. Your hunger just made you forget everything you were about to say. <laughs> yeah. No, I just wanted to say that the Clippers are going to be back. Kawhi's going to be back. And I, for sure, I... They're only like real hole in the roster as it stands. It's like, A, what are they going to do with Robert, Co- Robert Covington? And B, they need a point guard, but not a, like a scoring point guard, a guy like that can set the offense. Absolutely. And if that, and if that happens, then, ooh, that's going to be tough. Well, see, here's the and thing, though, man. And they're not, well, they're not coached by Doc Rivers. Right, and I think that you're overlooking the fact that in today's NBA, yes, if you have a point guard that is one of your best players, fine. He's going to traditionally do that point guard stuff. John Morant, Steph Curry, um, whatever, whatever. But when you're talking about a team like the Clippers that have Kawhi and PG, I think they're okay with Reggie because Reggie is good enough to carry you when those guys aren't going. But you're never going to have one ball-dominant lead guard with those two guys on your team. They're going to do a lot of the initiating. So I don't know if they need a point guard as much as they just need to get those guys back healthy. And then you look at the Blazers, who had an awful year this year, and I'm not saying they're going to be tops in the conference, but you got to believe that they're going to compete for at least one of those play-in spots. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're a play-in team at best. Right, but, what I'm, and, and, but the point of it all is this. You have teams that weren't even in the conversation this year that are going to jump back in the conversation on top of the top eight teams that actually made it. You got the Kings who got talent, who trying to bring in a new coach to actually bring it together. I'm not saying they're going to do anything, but what I'm saying is you have to think about that. Then you got New Orleans doing what they're doing, another year gelling together. We know that New Orleans isn't going to offer Zion a fully guaranteed max, but you have to imagine that he's going to get back on the court at some point next year. I mean, the West is going to be a bloodbath. So to our overarching, well, to oh. my overarching point that kind of got us started here. Hold on, I'm going to let you get there. To my okay. overarching point that kind of got us started here. I don't know if the Grizzlies will be this good, record-wise or literally next year. That's why I said they're closer to the flash in the pan of the Atlanta Hawks um, in last year's playoffs than they are to that Warriors team. And again, a good comparison as far as how the story's actually unfolding. I just think that people are putting a little too much on Memphis, a team that should have honestly lost to Minnesota. It's just that Minnesota's so fucking bad and volatile of an organization that they don't know how to win. I don't think I don't think Minnesota was bad. It was just dumb shit they did on the, on the well, court. Well, what is that, JJ? Well, dumb bat shit then. So, sounds like about what I said, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, was, but you're right. And that's what I mean by don't know how to win, bro. Like, they have all the talent. Like, when you're talking Carl Anthony Towns, when you're talking D'Angelo Russell, when you're talking what Pat Brevs bring, 
from a toughness perspective. When you're talking the fact that Anthony Edwards is absolutely the best player on the floor for either team. When you're talking all of that ancillary stuff from McLaughlin to the rebounding fool of Vanderbilt to Naz Reed to Greg Monroe coming in, giving you some valuable minutes to I'm going to shoot 33. Yeah, Matt Daniels to I'm going to shoot 35 threes a game um, and Beasley over there. I mean, they got some talent over there, man. Um, And they should have beat them guys. They just don't know how to win yet. So, I mean, between everything we've just talked about and whatever team it is that you're going to mention after I finish, I mean, I don't know if the Grizzlies are as good as they come off to be this year. That's all. Because there's a chance. I'm going to be frank with you. If they don't win tonight, they're going to get swept too. Mm. I don't know, man. It's just I have a hard time calling sweeps because, as I mentioned earlier in an an episode, it's just hard to sweep an NBA team, man. Absolutely. It is. But when you lose – Here's the thing, and I'll give you an example. You wouldn't have said Boston would have swept Brooklyn in the first series before seeing a game, right? Yeah. After losing game one, the way that they lost it, after giving your all, should have won that game, but losing it like you did, that is what propelled you to getting swept. They lost at literally the last second. So when you lose so closely in a highly contested game, and if you can't rebound immediately, that demoralizes you to the point where your chances of not being able to win at all exponentially increase. The perfect example of what I'm talking about. And in the West, before we, we get out of here, we forgot, like, I think you forgot the team with the presumptive back-to-back MVP who's going to get his co-stars back. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Didn't forget them, but yeah, we didn't name them by name. They're in that bunch where it's just going to be, let's be honest, man. It's going to be 12 teams in the West next year that can make the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah. I, when we get to the offseason and all the offseason off moves happen, probably like, what team will. Don't forget. And, and this is what I think people are forgetting. Like, no, I was just going to say, like, I don't think Utah makes it. So that's one of the one of those spots open for a depends, new team. Depends on what they do, bro. Depends on what they do. Because just as so well, if they, so, take, so if they stick with with Donovan, do you think they? Oh, make they're it? not. Oh, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. One of them is gone next year. One of them is gone. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I see it being Gobert because he's not as good a player. You could still flip him for something that you could come in and put around Donovan, like some more wings or something. And as much as I hate to say this, they have a dude that could step in and give you 75% of what Gobert gives you on defense and maybe give you a little more offense. Mm, no, I will have to disagree with you there. I, I, I mean, they... I'm, hey, I'm sure you can, but that just – I'm and, and you know I'm talking about Hassan, but that speaks to the he, fact that – He who shall not be named. Right, exactly. I don't think Rudy Gobert is as good as everybody else – makes him out to be. I think that scheme is good. So if you take Hassan, who's probably a little more athletic than Rudy Gobert, he just isn't as long, I think that you can get that same effect. But I also think that Hassan offers you something on the offensive end that Rudy will never offer you. So I think you could be, I'm not saying you'll be as good because Rudy has been entrenched in that system and defense is just what he's always been elite at. I think you can get enough of that same impact from Hassan by bringing in whatever the fuck you can bring in for Rudy that you can at least be as good. If they if they hold on 
to Donovan. Now, we have to consider that Donovan could be the one they move, but then you just, you know, already know that they're insane if they move Donovan and choose Gobert. Well, well, for one, Gobert's older. It's hard to sell tickets with a defense-first guy. Just, just call it what it is. Absolutely, but who's to say that Donovan wants to be there? And in that case, you're absolutely going to keep Gobert. Are you, though? I think everybody's just ready to move on at that uh, at this juncture. I agree, but you have to have something to help you transition. Like, even if you don't plan on sticking with Gobert long-term, you can't move them both because then how are you going to put any asses in the seats? And it's still oh, a no, business no. at the end of the day. I don't, I don't think they they both get moved this summer. One of them will definitely. I'm, I'm willing to bet my house on it that oh, one totally. will get moved. Oh, totally. They can't. Well, on top of the fact that we're hearing all these reports, which they're trying to make us think aren't true, but we 100% know that they're true. Um, they just they can't win together. Like they always have great regular seasons and get to the playoffs and nut it up. Yeah, and yeah, uh, looks also there's been a lot of Quinn Snyder rumblings that he might that he might leave. He out of here. He just he a casualty. He a casualty. Quinn Snyder's a good coach, but. If you don't have the guys that have the goods to get it done in the postseason, and let's just be frank, we're talking a lot about Rudy Gobert, but since this is a Miami Heat podcast, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. you got to give Donovan Mitchell a lot more of the blame than people seem to want to give him because he can come out there and give you 25 points a game on inefficient chucking-style shooting. That doesn't make him a superstar player. I mean, I agree that he's an offensive superstar, but the man absolutely doesn't always try on defense, and I cannot have that in my best player. Nonetheless, I can't have that in one of the best players on the Miami Heat team, so we can stop that bullshit right now. He don't play enough defense to play in Miami. So I think that we need need to give him a little more of the blame than we're giving him because Quinn Snyder at this point is just a casualty of two of your two best players not being as good as everybody's trying to make them out to be. The reason that they are such a good regular season team, the reason that they have set themselves up to be put in this position when we put them on a pedestal only for them to fall off of it in the postseason is because Quinn Snyder is that good of a coach. In the regular season, coaching is everything. In the playoffs, it's about talent. Now, don't get me wrong. Coaching matters like shit in the postseason as well. But in the postseason, the well, teams with saw, the better talent. We saw that in the first in our first-round series. like Absolutely. Just... Absolutely. In the postseason, the teams with the better talent are going to win. Now, if you have a good coach – you're going to win when you're supposed to win, or you might be able to overcome a slight talent deficiency. But for the most part, the talent is going to win out on the biggest stage. A yeah, la Giannis I was, in Boston. I was going to say that it's not like Donovan doesn't have the physical tools to be a good defender. And that's what pisses you off, bro. He has the tools to be an elite defender. He just doesn't want to. And that's the part that pisses you off. It's not like a Steph. And I tell you this all the time. There are guys that just can't do certain things. But I can get past that if you try your ass off, which is why I don't knock Duncan Robinson, which is why I've always thought Max Struess was going to be a really good player for us. Because even though they have some deficiencies, they try their ass off. You might not be pleased with the results, but you can't ever be mad at the effort, and that's important. Yeah. Effort is something that, that's that's the only thing that uh, it's on your con- that's on your control. Like you can control effort, but you like ability. Of course, some guys are just more naturally gifted than the other, and that's just sometimes the way it is. 
but right, effort, like that's something we can all control. Max and Duncan are never going to be Jimmy and PJ from an ability perspective. Never. But what they can do is try like Jimmy and PJ. And that's a beautiful thing about having Jimmy and PJ mm -hmm. as two of your leaders. Cal Laurie as well. Cal Laurie is one of those guys that has the ability, but a lot of what he's been able to do is because of his effort. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to try harder than most people on the floor. And that whole pest shit, it's because he's a try-hard. That's how he's a pest. Because he's going to fight for 24 seconds, a shot clock. Yeah. And very quickly, going back to the West, last night we had a really good, and also another good game between the Mavs and the Suns. I think that's, I think people, sure, Luka was spectacular once again. He, that, he, God, that, He's a maverick, of course. We don't like to like say a lot of nice things about him, but he's just fun to watch, man. He's incredible, and they still lost because Phoenix is just a damn buzzsaw. Everybody just executes. Hey, look, man, they got too many good dudes on that team. Um, they're like, if you took an elite scorer and an elite point guard and an elite big and put him on the Raptors, I know it sounds crazy, but if you took an elite scorer and elite point guard. I, no, here's the thing. If you took an elite point guard and elite big, threw them on the Raptors, and one of your same size guys was an as elite and offensive player as Devin Booker, that's what the signs are. They got a bunch of guys between 6'5 and 6'9 that don't mind guarding, that can do a bunch of everything. They have a big dude in the middle that can hit the midi and a floor general to run it all. An all-time great floor general. who's All-time great floor general. <laughs> who is... Probably, well, I don't think this, I would have to look at it, but this feels like the best he has ever played in the playoffs, although I wouldn't make that a definitive statement, but he has been on fire. And not just scoring, just his command of the game. Right. I would agree only by nature of the fact of the results, though. I don't know if this is his best individual performance, but what I can say is this is his best individual performance in combination with teammates that are going to bring it every night. Yeah. So, with all that being said, I think this is a good place to wrap up our podcast. By the way, I think the Heat win game two. They have Absolutely. To win game two. Absolutely. They can't afford to lose a game without MB, who could be back for game three, but I'm not so sure about that. I think that's just information that they're putting out there to keep us on our toes. Um, but he could be back for game three. So we absolutely have to take care of business in these first two games. Yeah. So thank you for listening to the, this week's episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. And where can they find you on social media, my friend? They can find me at, on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJ RIVS and Victor ERA NBA. Where can they find you, my friend? They can find me on Instagram, which JJ is going to talk about at IMK Serious, which is I am I A M K C I R R U S. Again, I am K Serious on Instagram and on Twitter. You can find me at K said K. That's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E. Again, K said K on Twitter, where we're conversating daily and interacting with you guys. Please follow us. Please follow the podcast page. Um, and we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>